Hey everyone, Russ Van Natta here. So excited for you to join us for this episode of the Memory Makers podcast, where our own Danny Gruning and the fabulous Scott Logan of Grand Station Entertainment are diving into maximizing your staff's talent. So this interview is a fantastic one. It's in a love language of empowerment and education that we are just such big fans of. Hope you guys get so much out of it. Be sure to take some notes. There's some fantastic points in here that we know you guys will be able to take away and apply. So with that, we're going to roll right into the interview and roll that thing, Mikey Mike. Excited to get into uh, a chat with you, but first, before we dive in too much about today's topic about culture and maximizing the talent, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your center and what you have and kind of how you got started in this industry? All right, yeah, so we have, um, we're in College Station, Texas, um, Texas a home of Texas A&M, Aggies, Giggum, any Aggies? Probably not. <laughs> Apparently, we have Ohio State fans here, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, not everyone's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so we have a, a, a 70,000 square foot facility. We have uh, 40 lanes of bowling. Uh, we have uh, laser tag, mini golf. Uh, we just got done with uh, Creative Works, designed it. It's a really neat uh, uh, project that we have. Uh, we have an 80 game arcade. We have two bars and then we have a cafe in there. We, we had axe throwing, but we just took that out recently. So. How long did you have that axe throwing in? We had it for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I think there were some things that we probably could have done differently to make it work. Uh, we just didn't, um, it really wasn't a destination. It was kind of a, a, like a break even type thing. It was uh, just, we had, we had a lot of labor involved into it too. And so we had, we had an expert. So they were kind of like a coach and they were he like they kind of heckled sometimes and it really kind of keep the game moving. So um, yeah, it was a lot of costs and we just, hey, you know what, let's take it out. We put a, a green turf there now. so. Yeah, it does a lot better now, actually. Well, that's good. That, that space does. So when you kind of rewind the clocks, you've been working as part of this business for a long time. Tell us how you got started in the business. Uh, so I, I would say my dad started grooming me at, a, at an early age. At 10, I was, um, I was telling a story just a second ago that when I was 10 years old, my dad made, made me go to Walmart and greet 10 strangers, and I looked them in the eye, uh, say, hi, how are you doing? It was terrifying for a 10-year-old to do, as you can imagine. Uh, but I think he was building a foundational um, uh, foundation for me of, of being in the people business. And that's what I think we are in uh, the people business, not just for our customers, but for our staff. Um, but so over the years, I kind of worked summers in high school uh, for a bowling alley. And then, you know, eventually my dad decided to make it an FEC. and We purchased a place in, in College Station and we renovated it in, to what it is now. Um, and so I kind of worked every I was going to school and. Uh, Texas State and San Marcos uh, had way too much fun. My dad said, stop wasting money. Come work for me. I've got this new project and you can learn you know, what we're doing. And so I kind of started off as the arcade manager, uh, probably the worst manager we've ever had in the history of Grand Station. Uh, we've 16 years of business and I can you know, honestly say that with transparency because I, uh, I, was, I was 22, so I was not knowing what I needed to know and wasn't doing the things I needed to do. Um, but over time, I think I was like 27, I started, uh, became the bowl manager, uh, learning the ins and outs of the business a little bit more. Um, and then I became uh, the AGM, and then I became the general manager probably seven years ago, and now I'm in control of the day-to-day. -day. 
So let's rewind the clocks because you just mentioned something interesting that you feel you were the worst arcade yeah. manager in the history of your business. Right. You're 22 years old, maybe a little bit immature. Is that mm -hmm. part of what it was? Yeah, I think I was trying to please everybody and I wanted to be everybody's friend. I was the same age as the people I was leading. And so I didn't really have that mindset of like, oh, I need to develop these people. I need to make sure that they're doing this, they're doing that. And instead I was like, oh, these are my friends. They like me, you know, so I want them to like me. And so I had that mentality and, and you know, that's always not the right mentality. Um, and as I've grown, like I want them to like me, but I also needed to know that there's a job that needs to be done first. And so it comes with um, developing those relationships and, and kind of like a, I view myself as an older brother type thing, trying to get them past like some of the hurdles that I had in my way. And so I started a different approach and changing my mentality of like, oh, these are my friends, but more like, hey, these, these are people I want to see prosper. These are people I want to see grow. Even if it's not within our organization, if they go out somewhere else, I want to see them grow and do well and look back at their time with us at Grand Station and be like, man, I'm, I'm glad I was there. I'm glad I uh, put in the work there. And it's really neat seeing that happen over 16 years. I feel like I'm a, a principal at a high school because I see all these kids come and grow and then they, they leave and come back with their kids. And it's like, I don't know, same, same drama, different, uh, different faces. So there, I'm sure, are a lot of operators in here that have younger managers that they're trying to groom and give them the tools to become better leaders. And you experience that growth yourself and transforming from where you were at 22 and how you progress. What, what advice would you give them on tools they can give their young management team to help them get to that next level a little bit faster? I would say uh, don't neglect the, the mentor relationship that... Um, genuinely want what's best for them, understand what's going on in their life, uh, be empathetic, uh, recognizing what their hurdles are. Their hurdles may be different than what your hurdles were in, the, in your growth process, but helping identify these stumbling blocks that they have um, and then, hey, help them get through it. Um, and really, they're gonna, they're gonna, once they start seeing that, oh, wow, they really know what they're talking about, wow, they have a vested interest in me, then they're gonna be a lot more receptive to what you have to say and they're gonna allow you the opportunity to actually speak to them. And uh, really they're gonna seek you out for advice more. Um, and so it's really awesome seeing like, the younger you know, managers and frontline supervisors uh, grow and in, develop within our organization. We, we promote from within. And so we try to build up everybody with the, the mindset of, hey, you're gonna be the next up. So if somebody leaves or something happens or a position opens up, we wanna be able to have somebody within our organization to just fill that, fill that spot. So your role has changed a lot over the years from you started Arcade Manager and worked your way up now um, to where you are today. What is your role today and what, not just in the title, but what do you feel is your job and, and how you show up for the business and for the employees there? So it's changed. Uh, so I was a general manager before COVID. Uh, we had 90 employees and I had 13 direct reports, which is a lot. I was the bottleneck within the organization. Uh, and so... Honestly, I think COVID was probably the best thing that probably could have happened to our business and, and to me for that matter. So when everything shut down, um, we reopened two months later, May 2020, um, we had 27. So we went from you know, 90 employees to 27 and all of our 12 years of processes and procedures are gone or out the window. And it's, we're just trying to figure it out, you know, protocols and you know, most of you guys realized we went through it. Um, so having to figure out what do we do now? Um, and so, I was working the front desk with, you know, just my whole role has changed and then being able to grow back. And then all of a sudden we started getting busier and busier and they're like, hey, how do we figure this out? We don't have procedures in place. We've gone a whole year without, you know, just doing something of, of standards. So we got the chance to like rebuild our business in the way it needed to be rebuilt. And now we're at 150 employees 
uh, with more of a, a management uh, structure. So we have, instead of just having managers and meet 13 direct reports, we developed another uh, tier of management that helped me kind of uh, oversee that um, the whole day to day, which was a lot. And, um, and so now my role has kind of shifted from being the guy on the scene at all times, but to help others become that guy or gal. Um, and develop their strengths and weaknesses and help them, you know, draw what's good in them and seeing like, hey, these are your strengths. I think everyone is like a like an X-Man or a superhero. Everyone has like their strengths. And so when you put us all together, we're like a symbol, like the Avengers kind of thing. And so when you recognize their strengths, like, hey, you're really good at this. We're going to put you in this spot in this role. And they're going to they're going to actually they like it because they're in their strengths and they get to operate and do good things like that. And and they see the fruits of their labor. And so that, that rejuvenizes them and their team and the people that work for them and everyone else around them. So it's been, it's been a pretty cool experience, actually. I love that. Now, I have the most important follow-up question that I'll have all day. If you're the Avengers, which one are you? Oh, man. I think I'm like Professor X or something. Like, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the guy that's kind of like sitting in the back. I don't know. I'm still leading from the front sometimes, but I've, I've learned that if I'm always in the front, uh, I'm not allowing other leaders to, to rise up. And so I've learned that I can't always be that guy. Uh, during COVID, I wanted to be the guy to just, you know, hey, everybody get on my back. We're gonna, you know, bust through all these walls. We're gonna make it all happen. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna carry the team through. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna bust through everything. And uh, I realized that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do it all on my own. And I needed to have people around me that, can, that could support me and do the things that I wasn't able to do. And so what, what I've learned is that I need to find people that are better at things. And so it took me being humble. Um, Hey, there's guys better at me than food and beverage. So, you know, our food and beverage director is here with us. And so I, I, we hired him and got him on the team. And hey, Rob, whatever you need, let me know. I can, you know, I'll clear out roadblocks for you. Whatever you need to do to make this thing work, I'm gonna support you and, and do everything we can. Um, and then other assets of the business, we did the same thing. And I just found good people that were really in their strengths and helped put them in that position and whatever they say we needed to do. And I said, all right, let's talk about it. I think collaboration has become more of my role. And so I'm collaborating with everybody and what they see and that needs to get done. And I'm, I'm supporting them in that. You know, you just mentioned how at one point you were put everyone on your back and lead through and we'll run through this wall. And I, I, I think it's interesting. I heard something one time that described a leader can lead from the front and say, everybody, let's go. We're going this way. They can lead shoulder to shoulder saying, we're in this together. Let's move forward. And they can lead from the back saying, I'm going to catch up the rear, make sure everyone's moving along. And leaders have to be in all three of those spots. And it's about yeah. knowing when to move between those three positions. That's right. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you were pre-COVID the bottleneck of your organization. You went through the restructuring, and now I would imagine you're not. And I know that a lot of times as businesses grow, leaders or owners, whoever that is, they tend to become a bottleneck. Part of that's just the scale that happens and they haven't yet delegated. Part of it is sometimes people struggle to delegate. They want to hold on to things. What was that experience like for you when you were the bottleneck and what is it like now that you've got people who can take care of those things and how is your, is that made your life a lot easier? Yes. Um, so there's a lot of things that, you know, as owners and, and managers you have that you enjoy doing within the job. And so sometimes it's hard to let go of those things. Uh, but realizing that you got to move the bigger picture, you have to move the bigger rocks and do the bigger things. Uh, so other people, and so that's, Somebody said, if you can do something, somebody can do it 80% as good as you, you should let them do it. But I think if you can do it, they can do it 50% and you can help and they have the attitude to at least get to 80%, you should maybe even look at that as well. Um, so 
it's been a relief. Um, there was a lot of things that I was being called at home for. It was affecting my home life before COVID. I was, I couldn't get away. I couldn't get away on a weekend because, hey, I was like the, the focal point. Everything kind of revolved around me. They would ask me really seemingly to me, it was silly questions, but I knew for them, they just wanted affirmation and, hey, am I doing the right thing? Um, but I think now since then, we've had this other group being able to come in and help us, um, help me be able to, you know, solve the bigger pictures in a better way than I could probably ever do myself. So it's, it's good having good people around you. And so once you have that trust with them, uh, they really, it changes the game for the whole entire business and the organization. You're able to do the things that you want to do and be more intentional with it instead of like, oh, I'm stuck doing this because I'm the only one that does this or I'm stuck doing this because I'm the only one that does this. I think just sharing that knowledge and how to do things and, and trusting and allowing things to take place. You mentioned having good people around you and part of this process is hiring more good people that come in and really bringing them into your culture and your processes. I know that you have a very robust onboarding program for your staff and you've expanded that program over time. What, have, what does that look like and what have the results been of that? Um, it's been great. Uh, so our onboarding program, we, we part of COVID, uh, we have an HR department that we've kind of developed. And so before that, I was the HR. So anytime there was a complaint, I like, I'd turn around and like, all right, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm HR, how can I help you? Which I usually didn't have the patience for what they were trying to be, you know, they complained about. Um, I'm sure most of you guys can relate to that. Um, but it, so now we have this onboarding program. Uh, we work with the BPAA, the Bowling Project Association. Um, and they have a onboarding structure with different modules. And so we, we have an actual day where they sit in and they uh, go through all these courses, they learn, basically their baseline knowledge of our entry level employees have, has grown exponentially because it, it, in the past, we'd, we'd have them do all the paperwork and then we just put them on the floor with a trainer. Uh, now we have them with these modules, they're learning. And so now their, their baseline of what their knowledge is is already up like where it should be. And so the trainer's being able to get more effective with what they're, they're trying to accomplish, which is bringing somebody up to speed. And, and one thing we're recently doing is, is focusing on acclimating these new people into the team. Cause you have these core groups of people within your organization usually that, you know, they're friends, they kind of click together. And usually when you have a new person that comes in, they're kind of like, like shell shocked. They don't really know what to do or who to talk to. So we're gonna try and be more intentional now of grabbing those people and bringing them in, uh, get them acclimated and get them in the group, you know, introducing the people like they were your family or your friend and um, just treat them like that. And I think it's, it's going to go a long way for us. Yeah, one of the things we actually started at uh, Creative Works, and this was Rachel, she runs all of our HRs. Her idea is we have a welcome committee, right, of people who volunteered and said, I want to be a part of this, that when we hire new employees, they're the ones who are intentionally going out of their way to say, hey, let's get lunch together. Hey, let's make sure we introduce you to all these people. And the people who signed up to be a part of that love doing that. They love bringing new people on board and it makes that transition process a little bit less of a, oh my gosh, what am I supposed yeah. to do? Who am I supposed to hang out with kind of a thing? Yeah, I love that. And it, you found people that that's probably their strengths. That's probably their superpowers. They're welcoming, they're hospitable, and they just enjoy doing that. Whereas other people are just like, oh, I want to sit in the office and not talk to anybody and you know, crunch numbers. And that's fine too. But if you try to get that person to be the welcome committee, it'd be kind of, uh, kind of tough. But it'd be good for them in the, in the long run too. But, uh, but I think it's awesome that you'll have like, hey, who wants to be a part of this committee? Yeah. So we're in an industry that's known for very high turnover, right? We have high school and college kids that work at our centers and then they graduate to go to the real world and then mm -hmm. they move on. And even with all that, you very intentionally uh, pour into your people and help develop them as human beings beyond the, the role that they have within your organization. 
Why do you focus so much on that? And what's been a rewarding part of that process for you? I think like uh, we said earlier that it's the, um, the people that are sticking around or hearing them come back and saying, hey, look, I, I really appreciate everything you've done for me in the past. And you may not see it at that, at that moment, um, but they'll come back to you like four or five years down the road and be like, hey, I really appreciate my time here. And they didn't realize what you were doing, but then now that makes sense. And then, or recently we had somebody that just applied and said, oh, my uncle worked here 10 years ago. And he said, I had to have this as my first job. And so that, that's rewarding. And um, just hearing those things, it's been so cool to, to hear. Um, but I think part of it too is that we want people to grow. You gotta recognize that we're not gonna be able to hold on uh, people forever. There's a Zig Ziglar quote. Um, I don't know if you have it on, is it, is it on there? Uh, I don't think I have it. Oh, these are only your questions. <laughs> so there's a Zig Ziglar quote. Uh, I can't remember how it goes, I'll probably butcher it. Uh, it's, um, if, you, what, if you train somebody and what happens if you train them and they leave or, I oh, man, it's on the tip of my tongue, but if, if they leave, and what happens if they stay and you don't train them? So being intentional and training them, if they leave, you got to let them fly. If, I mean, just like your kids, uh, you want them to grow and you want them to be the builders foundation. So whenever, if they do stick around, if they are nearby, they're going to be prosperous. If, if they leave and take off and spread their wings and fly, you want them to be able to, to fly on their own without needing your help. And so that's kind of our role as um, as managers and in our people business is that we have to view these people as like our family and we want what's best for them. Um, and so we hire them with the intention of them, you know, being productive members of our team. And so we have to treat them as such and we have to understand that they're not equipped. Um, and they're, this generation is a lot different from, you know, the 10 year ago generation, uh, but there's still challenges on both sides. Uh, I think it's just recognizing and meeting people where they are and seeing their, their struggles and how they're different from the struggles of 10 years ago. It doesn't mean they're less than or they're just addicted to their phones and they're, they're phone zombies or anything, but it's connecting with them. And I think they're actually looking for uh, some truth. They're looking for uh, some realness and some human interactions. And that, that's something we offer to this generation uh, that they're not getting at school or they're not getting with their peer group. Most of them would rather go home and just text and be on online computer games or whatever, but we're, we're providing a, an opportunity for people to connect, have genuine connections with each other. Um, so I think really paying attention to that and focusing in and, and being able to, how do you cultivate that environment to where th this is their second home? They enjoy coming there because they have these human interactions that normally wouldn't have. You're an incubator for good human beings. Yeah, <laughs> we try. That's I think, well, you're, it sounds like you're very successful with it. Well, we try, yeah. I'm being successful. humble. We, okay, we are. That's that's the imposter syndrome, yeah. I think. That when she was up here, I was like, man, she is speaking. Yeah, your dot's great. She's speak, thank you. <laughs> she was speaking to me, man. I just, uh, you know, being the owner's son, that was something I've always battled against. Of like, oh, he's just there because he's the owner's son, and so that got kind of put a chip on my shoulder a little bit. It's like I'm gonna prove them wrong, uh, but if and so I always had this mentality of like, man, if if I did something good, it was like, oh, he's the owner's son, he's supposed to do that. If he did, if I did something bad, they're like, oh, he's the owner's son, he can get away with it. So it was like. Anyway, I went, I was battling this, this stigma that, that I really put on myself, I think a lot of times, instead of just focusing on uh, the things that I needed to focus on. So this will be interesting because um, I like doing exercises like this. So everyone in the audience, raise your hand if at any point in time, regardless of whether it's your parent was in the business and now you are, for any reason, if you've had a chip on your shoulder and you feel like you need to prove yourself at any point in your career, raise your hand. And that should be about everyone in the room, most people, yeah. So you're not alone in that. Definitely not alone. Yeah. So when you're going out and you're looking for new employees to bring into your culture, what are the 
characteristics? What are the personality traits that are most important to you? Um, you basically, the, the, the foundational ones, eye contact, smiling, uh, attentiveness, they're responsive, they're not, um, they're presentable, they're professional, uh, but this generation, you're not going to get them in a suit and tie. Usually, they're not going to usually be in, in button-ups, but at least you want them to, you know, not have their pants down or, um, or you know, being distracted. So you want somebody that's attentive and kind of look for coachability. Are, are they going to be willing to be receptive to uh, constructive criticism? Uh, most people, even adults, don't like constructive criticism. We, we take it as a, an attack at our ego and our pride. And so that's something that we also have to recognize that, hey, there are people with pride and ego as well. So uh, are they going to be receptive? Are they coachable? And, and are they going to acclimate to the team? Are they going to add value to the team? So these are things that I think you, know, you can ask all these questions. They can come equipped with skills. But if they already know it all, uh, how coachable are they going to be? Um, so these are some things that you need to, to be paying attention for. You know, one of the things that we would do at the, uh, the FEC that we ran on the north side of Indy, when we would do group auditions to bring people in um, as that first round of a, uh, the audition process to work with us, we would intentionally leave pieces of trash on the ground yeah. and we would see which of the people would go by and pick it up and throw it away and who would just walk by it. Yeah. Because that's a good... Yeah. Character trait of like, if someone who doesn't even work for you sees a piece of trash on the ground, picks it up, and throws it away, that's probably someone you're going to want to look at to hire. Yeah, you're right. We've we've done that some too, and then we've also done it to where um, that we the room isn't set up, but we'll have tables like or chairs like stacked on tables, and so I'll start taking them down, and we'll see if if they start helping. Uh, sometimes people will just stand back and just let me do all the work, and like, okay, this isn't this isn't going to go well. Uh, or sometimes they immediately dig right in and they want to help and be of assistance. So those are some little key things, like you said, putting a little piece of trash or uh, something nearby, um, just little tests like that, because they're going to do it on the job, usually. So you also do uh, optional quarterly leadership meetings where you kind of pour into to your, your leaders and your up-and-coming leaders. Why do you create those, and what is, you know, what is the turnout for those, and how do people engage with them? So we have um, quarterly uh, leadership meetings, and so we make them optional. Uh, we first started with forcing all of our uh, frontline supervisors to show up, but what you'll find is that people are falling asleep or they're not really wanting to be there. And so why force them to be there? If they're not wanting to grow, they feel like they already made it, um, and it, that's probably where they're gonna, they're gonna level out at. And, um, and so what we found is that we made it optional and we opened it up to everybody. Uh, we found people that were hungry, that were really, that maybe we overlooked uh, as maybe a potential front, a potential frontline supervisor. Uh, and so we were able to see, okay, this person's receptive to what we're teaching them. And we're teaching them not just like the hard skills of like how to do this thing or how to do this task, but we're teaching them uh, foundational profes professionalism. Uh, Rob's got a, a course, Robert Food and Beverage guy over here is, he, um, he's got a course that we're gonna teach uh, Sunday. It's, uh, it's about uh, communication, you know, pre-shift, mid-shift and post-shift, the importance of it. And so we've been working on the logistics of it. And, and so we're gonna bring highlighted uh, a specific part of our department that maybe other people don't really know about. And so our intention with this is, yes, we wanna grow people within our organization, maybe potentially create uh, new shift leaders, uh, new manager on duties, um, you know, different things like maybe department manager at some point. Um, but even if they don't and they become, they go somewhere else, you know, hey, they can add value while they're here. They're more informed. And that's another thing is the more informed they are, the more knowledgeable they are, the more 
their decision-making skills are going to be better because they understand the why. They understand why we do this. They understand how we're supposed to do it, and they understand what it is that we're doing. And so uh, that, that piece right there is undervalued in a lot of places. You have to take the time. And, you know, and most of you guys have probably realized when somebody's being impatient with you, uh, they're not taking the time to teach you these steps. And so they're frustrated with you because you don't already know it. Uh, so we have to re recognize that sometimes we are like that with people. We have a lot of things going on. And so recognizing that, hey, they're, they're our kids in a sense. Like they don't know uh, what they don't know. And so being patient and walking through them where they are and teaching them these, th these steps to get to a higher, higher level. Uh, and you'll be surprised when you take the time and you recognize people that are being receptive and working with them one on one, being intentional, intentionally pouring in on them. Um, and they're, they're going to grow and they're going to grow within your organization and they're going to make others better. I mean, it's just a compound effect. It's great. So when you're looking to, to find new employees, right? Yeah, I know we, we talked before uh, this event, kind of walking through some of the things that we wanted to, to chat about on stage. And you had mentioned uh, the way you use social media to find new applicants. What has been the best platform for you to be able to, <laughs> to bring in those applications of good people? Uh, so we use Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat's been pretty helpful. Uh, most of the Gen Zers are, are there. Uh, if you put it on Indeed, you're probably not going to get some Gen Z people. It depends on what you're looking for, actually. If you're looking for a manager or in management, maybe Indeed would probably be a good spot. Uh, Cook, maybe a good spot on, on Indeed. But uh, uh, for a Gen Z frontline, you know, high school kid, uh, um, college age person, maybe Snapchat would probably be the best bet. It's worked well for us. So we put some advertising dollars behind it and put some perks, and we have a good marketing plan behind it. So there's some, um, some really good things that can take place on there. Uh, you are also in a college town because you, you mentioned that you're in College Station, Texas with Texas A&M. When you look at your market, um, what percentage of your customers um, are, are students? I know it's not a huge percentage, but you've been intentionally working on ways to bring more of the organizations and groups from the university. And talk about what that looks like. Uh, which part? Uh, like the, the, uh, the college? How do we approach college? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have a... Uh, we have some student games. We, so we have 50 to 60,000 new students that come into our area every year. And so we take for granted that those people probably don't know about us. Um, and so we've been more intentional and we try to be there when they, they have a fish camp uh, is what they call it. And um, so we try to be present or nearby with that. And we try to figure out a way how we can be more visible. Um, and so we do $2 student ga bowling games and then we do uh, we have a, a ladies' bowl free on Wednesday nights, which is a pretty big hit for uh, for our weekday crowds. And so, you know, if you, the ladies are free and they're there, the guys are usually going to follow. They won't be far behind. <laughs> Shocker. Um, and, and so, really, you want we discount a lot for our college students because we recognize that hey, they may not always have the money to do those things. And so, when we, we discount like bowling, for for instance, everything else kind of elevates. The food and beverage goes up. The arcades go up laser tag goes up. And so uh, usually finding a lost leader for uh, that, draw them in uh, is usually the, um, been the vehicle for us for the, the college. And do you focus on drawing them in during slower times when families are less likely to be in there? So it, 
Because I would imagine if you've got a lot of college students and a lot of families simultaneously, it might be a clash of culture and not really fit yeah. right for either group. Do you focus on certain days to make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah, so we've been doing this 16 years, and so I recognize the seasonality of, of how everything works. And so our, our town's pretty strange. It's funny how it works is like the college students, they come in, there's probably 90,000 at this at this point, and, and they're all just covering this one section of the, of the community. And then once they're gone, like spring break, Christmas break, summer break, they're out, like the families like fill that area. And so they come in, and so it's a whole new wave of people coming in. Uh, but our Saturdays are a mix of everybody. I mean, Saturdays are our game day, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's, it's, it's go time. Uh, and so you have a mix of all different types of people, um, different demographics, and it's just, um, yeah, and good. So a lot of business owners see their structure as a rigid thing, right? I have this role and this person, you're going in that role. I've got this role over here, you're going to go in that role. But through our conversations, you kind of have a more fluid approach to it. Can you describe what that looks like and how you uh, approach the skill sets and uh, strengths of your staff members? So I think part of it is understanding, first starting with my self-awareness of myself, like what my strengths and weaknesses are. And if I had a bunch of people that were just like me, we'd probably be in bad shape. Um, if we had, um, so like I said earlier, everyone's kind of like an X-Man, Avenger type things. Everyone has their superpowers. Um, so some of the found, like positions will be pretty stationary, like food and beverage needs to be on top of stuff. And then, uh, you know, HR, you have IT type things. And we still need to be able to figure out, okay, where is the need within our organization? And one thing that we recognize is that the HR aspect of it is the human, human resources, the development of our staff. And so are we being intentional? Are we consistently training um, from each person? Are we, is each person coming in our organization and they're having the same shot and having the great trainer? And so that's something that we've been more key on is like, is getting people more uh, consistent training across the board. And, and, and so we have um, people that are doing several hats. And so we're carving out, not necessarily having this here's your line, here's your square of what you do, but we're blurring those lines. And so they may have this role, but they may have a little bit of this. And if, and so what's, what I've had to do is that I've created an expectations sheet for each individual within our, uh, within my direct reports of like, okay, here's your responsibilities and here's your expectations. And so they're aware of what they're supposed to be doing. And this is all communicated up front. I'm not putting them in a, in a weird spot that they didn't know or they're not prepared for. Uh, this is something that we've talked about and we've discussed and they, they agree like, yeah, this is my strength. I really enjoy. I get thrill from, um, from doing orientations. We have a guy that just loves acting. And if he wasn't working for us, he'd be acting somewhere in a commercial. I mean, he's a hilarious guy. He wanted to do orientation and he had this little bit to where he has a wig and he like comes out and does like Grand Station feud. And like, so we'll have like, they'll do the orientation and then he'll ask questions about, hey, what is this? When it was Grand Station founded? When? And so we'll have people, you know, slap on the desk and be able to answer those questions. He just loves that. And so I, me, myself, I couldn't do that. But he's just such a, uh, so charismatic and, and such a character that he just like thrives on that. So he's also our bowl manager. And so, hey, you're a bowl manager slash HR. And so if we just had these rigid roles of just this one person, I don't know if we'd be able to have um, a role for that person. So just finding a need and finding somebody that can fill that need and do it well. And that's kind of like I said earlier is that finding people that are better than you to do things and then like kind of staying out of their way. It's like, hey, what do you need? Oh, I need this. Okay, cool. We'll get this. We'll get laptops for um, you know orientation. We'll get this for whatever you need to get your job done and do it more effectively. How can I help? How can I serve you? And that's kind of been my role is trying to help foster their their creativity, what they're what they see, what I'm not seeing. And the, the collaboration effect between us and them, 
um, is, is growing. And so that's kind of been my, my shift and how things kind of change. So it's almost like you're a football coach where you've got a system in your offense, but you recognize the strengths of individual players and you're going to shift things to get them the ball more, to yeah. put them in a space where they can be most successful. That's, a, that's an analogy that I've used before is that during COVID when there was no position, it was like, all it was all so fluid. We're just, hey, we're scrounging, trying to figure it out. Um, I, I, I likened it to uh, having 53 people on your team. Nobody has a position. And so you throw them out there in the field and you see what they can do. You're like, okay, you're a lineman, you're a quarterback. Okay, what else? What do we got? Oh, you're a running back. Uh, you're, you're good at defense. You know, so finding what their strengths are based on just watching them um, and not limiting to their, your, you have to be this, you have to be that, you have to be this. Just seeing what they're good at and recognizing how that could impact the team and how they could, uh, how could they change the, the culture for the better. One of the things that you had mentioned when we were talking before this event is that in May of 2020, you switched to your entire business to be fully cashless. What was that transition like for you and how has that paid off in the long term? And what were some of the maybe friction points and what are some of the good things that have come from it? Man, we had a lot of friction points. So we, before that, we, were, were, we knew that before we opened, we knew we had to get more kiosks. Uh, to be able to accept cash. So we didn't, we don't want to not accept cash. We want to be able to, hey, here's your cash in here. And one of the things that we found on like uh, busy Saturdays is we'd have managers, like we'd have like three managers on a busy Saturday in the back office balancing uh, registers. Nobody's on the floor. Everyone's in the back. Why is this one short? Why is this one, who forgot the void? Who forgot the refund? Who didn't do this? Who didn't do that? And so they're, they're racking their brains for two or three hours while we're busy during a shift change. And, and so that, that right there was a clear indication like, oh, we got to change something. And so if everyone's on a debit card and so that we could promote and be able to have quick, seamless transactions. So we had a lot of pushback, like, oh, you're part of a government conspiracy and you're like, oh, you're trying to do this. And, and like, no, we're not like, trust me, we're not in on that. We're just trying to make the best business sense. Uh, so actually saved on labor uh, so much because you know, if you have one person on a, re on a cash register, they're responsible for that cash register. If you had another person Who's it, who, who took from the cookie jar, right? So we eliminated that. So we had four or five people being able to seamlessly step into a register and we'd be able to be more fluid. Uh, and so when I, when I took the time to explain it, like they would say they were, all the time, they were like, oh, y'all are just doing this. And no, actually, sir, this is why, if you wanna know why we're doing this, it, we're short staffed, we're understaffed and, and we're trying to make it work. We're able to be this and that. And then it's like, oh, oh, okay. So even taking the time to inform your customers why you're doing the things that you are, are doing. And so if you're, if you're not there, your staff needs to know why you are doing the things that you're doing because a lot of times they're taking the brunt end of it. And we get the, the, the bar usually gets the most uh, uh, friction for not having the cash. And so what we did is we bought a kiosk, put it right there. Uh, we got a, a point of sale system that will be able to take ca uh, credit card or tips from the game card system. Um, so that was one of the things that now the, the, the bar staff was on board with the new um, process. Uh, but it's just been so much easier. Um, we had 90% of our transactions were credit card already. Um, and so now it just kind of pushed us a little bit more that way. Um, but we still, like I said, we still accept cash in our, in our kiosks. Um, and so really that's kind of a step towards building a loyalty program for us to where we want people to have like a, a balance on their game cards to where they do come back and they have points that are saved up. They have um, you know, cash that's on there, they can come back and use it another time. Uh, so we're kind of building out the loyalty part of um, all that. So one of the things you also mentioned that in 2019, your dad was the uh, BPAA proprietor of the year. Mm -hmm. As you've grown through the business, what are the lessons that you've learned 
the biggest lessons you've learned from your, your parents in this family business and kind of taking that on? Yeah, I think um, one thing that my dad has always, always said is that uh, the people are our greatest asset. Um, they are the reason why we, we are able to do what we do. Um, our customers are important, but also our staff. Uh, so taking care of your people and making sure that uh, you're loyal to them and they'll be loyal to, loyal to you in return. It's such a cutthroat uh, marketplace out there that you know our industry is so far different from everywhere else. If you don't perform, you got standards, you're gone. Uh, and so we and we have a different approach of hey, let's you know let's work with this person. What's what's holding them back? Is it information? Is it motivation? Is it they're in the wrong spot? They need to be in a different spot. Um, let's look at them as humans instead of just saying hey, you're done. I'm tired of working with you. You know, get out of here. That's like the last thing that will ever do. Unless they're stealing, obviously, then, hey, look, you got to go. Uh, but we're going to work with them. If they show up to work and they have the desire to improve and get better, then we're going to work with them till the end. So is, for you, theft the only thing that's like an immediate, you're gone, we're not even going to do anything else? Are there other things that you've come across that have been like an immediate termination for somebody? I think, uh, I mean, probably sleeping with, with employees would probably be bad. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad, yeah. Yeah, I think that would probably be one there. I, I mean, I could, I could probably think of a couple... Um, just some unethical stuff like, yeah. hey, look, that's clearly, you know, not just against our values, that's against, you know, what you should be doing. Yeah. You know, somebody come up to work, drink, after been drinking. And so yeah. like, no, you gotta go, that's not okay. Yeah. And so stuff like that, just, yeah. But the I, performance things, I think we can work through performance stuff. If they're willing to show up to the table and put in the effort. Yeah. So you, as long as they have the attitude, you'll give them the aptitude. Yep, yeah, yep. I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. How do you define success in your business? I think the um, the revenue is a good um, is a good point is a is a good way to indicate. Okay, we're doing something right. People are coming in through our doors. We also have a, a people counter. We're able to see the trends of okay, people are coming. Um, they're still they're still coming through our doors, which is good. Um, but I think also, like I said, mentioned earlier, is that having people. Uh, come back years later and telling us how much they appreciated the job. They appreciated everything we did for them, um, and not not hearing it at the moment, and like not knowing if if I'm doing the right things, if this is the right step. Did I have the the conversation that needed to be had, um, or if that was too tough of a conversation? I was kind of came down hard on this person. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And just the uncertainty that comes with the you know the decision making of the job. But hearing people come back is very rewarding and hearing customers saying things that like, man, this is my favorite spot growing up. I always came here. And uh, a lot of people realize, think of us like Disneyland. And that's something that I think we kind of take for granted. Like people really enjoy coming to, through our doors. And, you know, I get we get numb to the stuff. My kids come up there. They, they could care less about everything. They've been a, they've been through everything. They want to go sit in the back and watch YouTube like they're, they don't really want to come to work with dad as, as they once did. Uh, unless we get a new game, then they're all over it. And then they wear that out and then they're back in the back. Um, so, but there's a lot of people in your community that uh, this is Disneyland for them. They really appreciate it. They really like it. And so we also try to give back to the community. And so there's some partners that we have that we work with and, and, and some underprivileged areas. And uh, I've got a friend of mine uh, named Tiger. He works with uh, CASA. I don't know if that's a national thing, but uh, they work with at-risk youth. And so we, we do this deal and they pay for like a small amount, but then we go over the top and we give them all these different um, uh, perks and stuff. And so he's able to give it to families in, in need that aren't able to afford Grand Station or uh, people that he knows in his life that's probably struggling. So I trust him to be able to you know, pass these out where he sees fit. And, and there's different places that we partner with. And so recognizing that the impact, we are the community. 
you know, their, their neighbor is also somebody that works for us or, you know, the kid that cuts your grass works for us sometimes. And so we are a part of that community and recognizing that. And so just hearing the positive feedback that we hear from people in the community, and, and that's something that really gives me joy. Like I'm doing something more than just earning a paycheck. I'm, I'm actually you know, contributing to the bigger picture of society. And that's something that can be commun- communicated to your employees as well. I know I've been brought in a couple of times to, to speak to um, the staff at different FECs around the country. And one of the things that I like to point out to these employees, a lot of them are high school and college kids, is I, I say, hey, all of you, think back. Do you have one birthday memory that sticks out as like the best birthday you ever had as a kid? Something that's just a core memory for you. Your friends are there, just such a good time, and all of them nod and they raise their hands and they're like, "Yeah, that was great." And I say, you have the chance to do that for somebody every day. Yeah, you have the chance to create that core memory for your customers every single day, and helping connect the dots with your team is a good way to show them the greater impact than, well, I'm just showing up and I'm working at a redemption counter and I'm giving out army men and I'm gonna get collect the paycheck and I'm gonna go home. It's There's a bigger picture that we can share with the team and get their buy-in from it. Yeah, I think we're, I think you're right. Just basically it's re- recreating their mindset, reframing the, the situation. You're not just showing up to work, you're, uh, you're, you're doing something. You're, you're being a part of something. You're, people are coming here and they want to escape reality in a lot of sense. They, want, they may have a hard day at work. They may have a hard day at school. They want to come here and they're excited to be here. Are you excited to be here? And, you know, you, your facial expressions, it can go along with your smile can change the, you know, the outcome on certain peoples. And this is something we had a conversation with, with our, our leadership um, this past week is like, uh, it's a crazy story. So we sell socks at our bowling counter. This is probably maybe six, seven years ago. And it's probably one of the most profound moments that ever happened at, at work, but among many. But anyways, so I told this lady, yes, the socks are 250 And she ripped me a new one. She went like in on me. And I was shocked. I was like, man, I'm just trying to, this is how much the socks cost. I don't know what to tell you. But she just went after me. And after she left, uh, she bought the socks and walked away. I looked at my friend Zach, or the guy Zach, and uh, that works for me, and he said, uh, I said, man, can you believe this lady? He said, yeah. He said, man, I wonder what's going on in her world to where she acted like that. And I just went, Pow! Like there's something behind the actions. For her to just unload on somebody doing their job and not taking, I learned to not, at that moment I started getting developing thicker skin. It's not, not about me, it's about what's going on in these other people's world to why they would lash out at somebody that's just doing their job. Um, and so it was over 250 for a pair of socks. I was still, I'm still shocked that she was like at that state to where she wanted to uh, be so hostile towards somebody just doing their job. But uh, recognizing that people have outside lives that, that probably weigh on them and they come in through your doors. And it's not just your customers, it's your staff too. And so I think being empathetic towards, uh, towards your staff and finding out who they are, like what, what motivates them? What, cause it's different. An attaboy would be good for somebody where somebody wants, you know, more, recon, uh, more recognition, more pay, or more, they want to move up, they want to grow. So they, everyone has different uh, motivating uh, motivators. So just figuring out who they are that's working for you. That's a very profound thing for that person, the, the employee that you had to, to realize it's not about you, it's about something going on in her life. Yeah. Is that employee still with you? No, I wish. Oh, man. That's no, a- he's, he's a missionary in Jerusalem right now. Well, I guess yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's got the, the, the attitude to yeah. understand empathy at a very high degree. Yeah. And we still keep in contact. He came by recently. Man, he's, he's a good friend of mine. And so like, that's something that I really appreciate is like just having that relationship with him and being able to get to know him over time. He left and he's been gone six, five, six years and he's doing something else. And 
man, all power to him. And I just love seeing him come back and being able to connect with them. And I still connect with them still. And so just being able to build relationships, even if they leave out, there's no hostility, man. Like, I understand you have a different path. You have a different journey. Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. If it's with us, that's great, man. I'd love to keep you around and we can work and grow together. But uh, if you got to go and do something else, man, let's, I'm, I'm going to support you and I'm going to applaud you and be happy for you. So looking toward the future, right, what excites you most about the next one to two years in your business, in your life? What are the things that, that get you most amped up? I think the, the, the development, the changing of our, our culture and the adapting of different things and, and identifying uh, the needs within our organization has helped us uh, really grow our business. And, and so it's not necessarily grow our business on a, on a like attractions level, but like grow our people. Uh, being able to see people grow and develop new leadership within our organization is really cool. And that's something that we've been more intentional about. And so we're kind of in the, the, the water. We've already seeded everything out. And so we've put the, the processes of, of the seeding. And so we're all, we just now we're watering and cultivating it and making sure that people are growing and who's being left behind or, or you know, how do we get this person up? Like this person was a rock star when they started. What stopped? What changed? Um, you know, did they have something going on personal? Did somebody, you know, say something that didn't, you know, that offended them? And, you know, hey, do we have to correct this, you know, thought process or whatever it is? It's being intentional with the individual. That's one of our uh, core values, too, is uh, we have a, a thing which uh, grand and our of grand is uh, respect for the individual. And so it's not just for our customer, but it's for the individuals that work within us. And so having respect for them and understanding that individuals are unique. Um, so just seeing like that, like really take take hold and being able to really be intentional about these things is really cool to see. The fact that the thing you're most excited about is growing people is yeah. part of the reason I wanted to yeah. have you on the stage and share some of your insights. Well, I think that's a really great spot to wrap up. Thank you so much for your time and sharing some of your insights and what's worked well for you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thanks.